Good evening and welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. This is the program where each and every Sunday we get together, we talk about the news of the week. We do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique style. My co-host is Leah Branded. My name is John Ziegler. And uh, Leah, you're, you're laughing at me already. <laughs> you sound like you have had the crap beat out of you. Well, yeah. I mean, this is a, a show that uh, we don't try to fake anything. Uh, no. We are what we are. We say what we believe, regardless of uh, what uh, ramifications there may be. That's part of what makes this uh, program unique, as it's heard on 20 different stations throughout the nation. You can uh, find out more about the John and Leah show at www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. And we do try to usually keep it light and entertaining, and hopefully we will at some point during this uh three-hour excursion through our week in review that we do each and every Sunday night. But I think, uh, Leah, you probably would agree with me, though we haven't actually spoken about it, that that this week on so many levels uh, was extremely depressing. Oh, yeah. And it's obviously the the first thing that comes to mind are the attacks in Paris, and and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, quite a bit leading off the program. And I, I don't want to be overly dramatic, and I, and I realize that a lot of talk radio people uh, who, who don't do so sincerely are very much the sky is falling and we're all doomed because in, in a lot of ways it's good business because, you know, if you're right, well, you were right. If you're wrong, well, good. Uh, it's, an, it's a no-lose proposition for a certain segment of the population. Uh, that's not what I'm doing, but that is what I'm feeling. Uh, I, I, you know, the the bedrock foundation of this program the reason why this program exists of one of many but the primary is that i believe that we are in fact doomed as a nation at least as we know it however and i've used the analogy the titanic and you know trying to figure out if there's a way to maybe plug the hole so we can get a few extra hours to get on a few more lifeboats and save a few more people and right. and, and you know maybe we can maybe you know maybe I'll die before the lifeboats uh, you know run out or the ship sinks uh, or maybe you know I even had this dream that my my daughter might be able my 3-year-old daughter might be able to live long enough uh, so that the ship hasn't sunk yet and I you know I, I'm I'm a pessimist but I'm also a fighter I don't give up until it's it's all over I, and even then I still usually don't give up uh, for better or for worse this week was kind of like taking uh, forgetting the Titanic analogy because it doesn't work quite as well as the, this analogy taking the Titanic analogy out of it for a second if you think about this country as having been diagnosed with cancer Right. Mm -hmm. And and we've got a lot of cancers. We've got the illegal immigration cancer. We've got the debt cancer. We've got the political correctness cancer. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, We've got a lot of them. Um, But let's say that we had been diagnosed and we had been given, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, pick whatever time period it is we had to live. Maybe you have a year or two yet yet to live. Right. And so when you when you're told you have a year or two yet to live and you and you're still thinking, well, crap, I can do a lot in a year or two. Right. I I might even be able to beat this thing because there I'm, might even be a cure right, in the next year or two. Right. You, you never know. Right. You, you, you got hope. You have a little bit of hope and you got a little bit of time. This week I realized, oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, so yeah. wait a minute. So so that that year or two you gave me was actually, figuratively speaking, more like a month or two. Uh, and so that means that there's not only do I only have a month or two, 
but I don't really have much hope because you know, now I'm terminal. That's what that's what I feel like. And and you look, it's often difficult to keep perspective when you're in the midst of something. But when you combine what happened in Paris with mm-hmm. what's going on with our college campuses this week, yep. And I, again, I'm someone who is, while I'm at heart a pessimist, I'm always looking for the, the path, the path out. How can we beat this? How can we win? How can we fend this off? Is there some way to do this? I don't see a path. I'm sorry. I, I, I just don't see a path. Now, I'm still all in favor of trying to delay it as long as you can, you know, going down fighting, absolutely. But I don't see a path. Do you? I, I, okay. Uh, Here's my analogy. So we're all passengers in a car speeding at 180 miles an hour towards a brick wall. And we all know that there, there's a brick wall and we're all going to hit it and we're screaming. But we finally realize the driver wants to hit the brick wall. Hmm. Wow, that's some de- heavy stuff there. And, and is the driver Barack Obama or who's the driver here? Well, it depends on which situation, but it kind of is. It's all political correctness. All of it comes oh, back to political correctness on, is driving on that, the car on that, and killing us. I, I agree with that totally. I, I think yeah. that there is a direct uh, connection between, and I'm not saying, suggesting this in any way, shape, or form as a, as a conspiracy or that somehow the same people were involved, but philosophically— the problems on our college campuses and what caused or allowed Paris to happen are the same animal. They really yes. are. They're absolutely they are. they're the same exact animal and it, and for lack of a better term it is political correctness. And this is something that people like us have been screaming about for decades, for a couple decades right. now, and liberals have have diminished us and ridiculed us. And, Bigots, and, right, racists, you know, alarmists. You know, oh please, the slippery slope. Oh, go give me a break. Paranoid. Well, exactly. Well, guess what? <laughs> uh, we're here now. We're right. here. We're here now. And there's, at least as far as I can tell, there's no way out. Now, there's still a debate over how much time we have left. Um, I'd like to believe, you know, I, I, I've now changed my projections. There's no chance now that my daughter is going to live a full life, uh, under the United States of America, as we have known the country to be. There's no chance of that. Um, there's very little chance now that I'm going to live a full life, uh, under those, uh, over those. Oh, I I was going to say your daughter. Are you kidding? No, no. I I mean, I'm looking at it from what my goals were. You know, because oh, yeah. yeah, I'm never going to see a grandchild because I'm not going to live long enough in all likelihood having a three-year-old daughter, but um, especially with the way things are today. But the the reality that was my goal. So I'm, I'm I'm now I'm basically checking off goals that can't be achieved. You know, and so that's that's the reason why I'm despondent to start things off. But we've got a ton to get to. I mean, we wow. I mean, every single week we are jam packed on the John and Leah show, but this week we are really, really loaded. And so stick with us. We'll get to it all. We'll start with the news of the week when we come back on the John and Leah show here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the best Week in Review radio program in all of the country, mainly because we have so little competition. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Together we do the John and Leah Show, our website where you can check out each and every one of the 20 major radio stations on which this program is carried, including in New York and Los Angeles, is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Obviously, this was an incredibly busy Newsweek, and the big story, of course, uh, were, were the attacks in Paris. Uh, Leah, why don't you give us a, a roundup of where we are currently and what we know about what happened there? Well, uh, we all know the Islamic terrorists unleashed simultaneous acts around Paris. 129 people are dead, 350 injured, around 100 critical. Uh, most of the victims were inside a theater watching the band, the Eagles of Death Metal, when the terrorists opened fire. 89 concert goers died inside there. One of the terrorists, the last time I checked, is still on the run, uh, but he was questioned and released by French police within hours after the attacks. He did get away. Uh, Authorities now say at least one and possibly two of the terrorists came in with the so-called Syrian refugees through Greece. Seven people have been detained in Belgium linked to the attacks, and ISIS has claimed responsibility for this, and they warn it's just the beginning. Beirut was also attacked this week by ISIS. Remember, ISIS claims to have taken down that Russian jetliner over the Sinai Peninsula, And these attacks happened the same day that President Obama assured the American people that ISIS was contained. And, yeah, and of course, uh, ABC, NBC, uh, CBS, MSNBC and CNN have been running the clip of President Obama saying uh, that ISIS was contained on a loop. Uh, It's actually been kind of (laughs) nauseating to see that constantly and to make sure that each and every American are very much aware that he said that. You would Um, almost think it's the same as mission accomplished. Yeah, of course, I'm being very facetious, as you already know, um, and that's a perfect example. Uh, if George Bush had had said ISIS is contained, uh, and, and it's important that you pointed out what happened in Beirut and with the Russian plane as well, because those things have happened all in a very short, an incredibly short period of time for right. terrorist attacks, because you know, what we have learned, at least with our experience with Al-Qaeda, is that it's attack, reload, lay low, wait for us to put our guard down, and then mm-hmm. attack again. Partially because they don't have the resources to continue attack, attack, attack. Well, those are three major attacks yep. in, in a very short period of time over an incredibly wide uh, expanse of territory that's but, right uh, and and you you know you've got different types of attacks too yep. so um right there if george bush this is not an exaggeration Mm-mm. if george bush had made that statement there and, and there was a democratic congress there would be impeachment proceedings starting on monday i mm-hmm. I, I believe that i believe that too without any any uh hyperbole no exaggeration, and we would be seeing that clip everywhere. But see, this is, you know, and I don't want to get too bogged down because there's so much to get to, but we focus a lot on how the news media works. And uh, I, um, I I think I have a lot of 
things uh, that are important for people to know about the news media that no one else says, but I think if I had to pick one that's my favorite is it's not what gets reported, it's what gets repeated. Mm-hmm. And see, because we live in a fragmented era now, each, every one of those outlets that I mentioned, including every newspaper, the New York Times, Washington Post, what have you, they can all say, well, we reported it. We, we reported that, that President Obama has been taking criticism from right-wing wackos exactly. uh, um, about this statement. We reported it once. It was done, you know, on television it was done in 30 seconds and we moved on. Uh, in newspapers it wasn't blazing headlines, but we reported it. So they can all claim that, oh, hey, look, you can't criticize us. We reported it. No, 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 no. There's reporting it. And then there's having a bloodthirsty obsession with decapitating the person who did it because you have the political opportunity to do so and the incentive to do so because it fits your agenda. With Bush, that's what would have happened. Obama barely gets a flesh wound. And that's the, the fundamental difference between Democrats and Republicans when it comes to the news media. Obama gets a flesh wound when Bush would have when been— When he's actually lying to us and he knows it. I would like, to, you know, the funny part is I would like to believe that's what he was doing. I'm not no, sure. That is absolutely what well, he was doing. I hope so. I hope because when not- he when he said it, we already knew about the plane. Yeah. We knew about Beirut. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I hope you're right. I hope he's just not that delusional, or that ignorant. But but the reality is, Obama gets a flesh wound. Bush would have been decapitated uh, over the very same thing. Now that's. There's other political elements to this, but I want to get back to the attacks themselves. And this is, you know, obviously this is a horrific, horrendous tragedy that goes without saying. I, I, I think everyone understands that, and we don't need to, to, to really make that any more clear than it already is. But I'm always fascinated by the, 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 the nature of these attacks. And even the most successful ones, and I think back to Charlie Hebdo, and frankly, I even think back to 9-11. Some of the most successful terrorist attacks in the West, where we think, and in the news media always says, well-coordinated, sophisticated. <laughs> Once we find out the details, it always, doesn't it, Leah, always seem like, wait a minute, that wasn't that sophisticated at all. Exactly. In fact, this was actually pretty easy, and in fact, these guys didn't do that great a job, or it could have been a hell of a worse. Oh, it could have been. I mean, they, they their plan was to walk in to a soccer stadium and 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 have a suicide bomber blow themselves up and because a, a security guard said uh-uh you're not getting in one guy blew him up himself up another guy at a restaurant blew himself up and only killed one person this is the worst suicide bomber ever in fact yeah. I, I heard he got fired uh, he or at the very least He's not getting the 72 virgins. In fact, I, I heard someone say he's going to get the 72-year-old virgin because when you take <laughs> one person out as a suicide bomber, that's the definition of a bad suicide bomber. I mean, you one is the easy one. The reason why you're killing yourself is so you can kill more than that. But in a way, that's the scary part is that these aren't even that sophisticated, right. and that's how much damage they can do. More on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. The best week in review program in all of talk radio. Mostly because there's not much competition. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And I want to do one more segment here, Leah, directly on the attacks in uh, Paris. And one of the reasons why I know I'm very despondent about what this means for the future, not just the present and the horror that these attacks created, and I think you'll agree with me, uh, Leah, based on our past conversations on this topic, is that we are completely unwilling to do what it would be be required to even have a chance of fending Islamic terrorism off. And what I mean by that is this. Uh, you know, sometimes we're willing to drop bombs. Sometimes we're even willing to put boots on the ground, depending on how horrific the attack is. But then that fades away. But what we are not willing to do, and we will never be willing to do, in my opinion, is... To do Just a, drop a nuke on the whole area? Well, that's not going to happen, nor would I really be... See, that's one of the problems. It's because we're not t- fighting a traditional enemy here. You can't just drop a nuke on the whole area because you're going to... The collateral damage will be enormous, and, and you know, these people are literally hiding in, in safe houses and caves and that kind of thing. So it's not the same as a traditional war. We're good at fighting traditional wars, The essence of this war, the reason why we can't win this one, is because we're not willing to do, uh, from a political correctness standpoint, what it would require. And that is this. Ethnic profiling. Period. Yeah, it has to be done. It has to be. And and there's no other option. Um, And let me explain why there's no other options. And I realize, oh, you can't profile because somebody's feelings might get hurt. Somebody who's innocent might have their feelings hurt. But that's why we will lose. That right there is the essence of why we will lose, depending on how you determine lose eventually. They will eventually win this because... That is the only way we can break their advantage. Their advantage is our unwillingness to be as on guard for them as we could be because we are unwilling to accept the most obvious evidence that they might be a terrorist, which is their name and their religion and where they're from. Because we ignore that. In fact, sometimes it gets so ridiculous. If you if you fit that profile, we're not allowed to suspect you. It's as, just so ridiculous. And you know what? If you have a mosque here in America, surveillance all the time because they're hotbeds of but, fostering see, this stuff. But the problem is the other side will tell you, but Leah, 98 or 99% of them aren't like that. You can't yeah, make... And they want us to find the terrorists too well, but, because they're but, getting killed. Okay, but here's, here's why, even though it will never happen, here's why... If, you know, in a magic world, I was in charge, which, of course, will never happen. And, you know, or, or if in a magic world, Trump somehow, you know, got in in, uh, in charge with me, it's just works. You know, it's magic. You know, if the magic world happens and Donald Trump's in charge and we actually do ethnic profiling for Islamic terrorism, uh, here's what would happen. It's not just that we would be 
much more on alert, and we would be a, a step ahead in the game of trying to stop these guys. What you, I, I think, inadvertently put your finger on is what the real weapon on our side would be. And that is, is if all Muslims suffered in some way by a stigma, right. Guess, right. What, guess what would happen? They root them out. They would flush them out. They would say, stop it. Right. Stop it. You're making my life miserable. Exactly. You're, you're, you're making us all look bad. Uh, I don't want to have to deal with this. Stop it. And, yep. and there would be it, there would be a stigma. There would be toxicity towards helping, aiding, and abetting any of these people because that's what happens with these mosques. These of mosques, they, they all have, oh, well, you know, we didn't actually do anything. Well, no, no, you knew. You knew you just looked the other way. It's all plausible deniability. And and, so, and because we're afraid to be critical of a mosque if we're wrong. Oh, my Look, God. They're hotbeds of terrorism. Right. If yours isn't, we'll find it out. Right. But, but again, it's important to point out that what would happen here under, under my view of the world, which, again, is completely unrealistic because of the political realities— and I'm not suggesting you put people in jail because they're Muslim or something crazy like that. You don't no. have to. You don't Mm-mm. have to do that. Mm-mm. All you have to do is put the pressure on Muslim community. It's just like the mafia, okay? It's very similar. Right? If if Italian communities are, are <laughs> suffering greatly in you know certain big cities uh, because of what the mafia is doing, guess what? They, they put it out themselves. Yeah, they, they do. They stop it. And it's the same. Yeah. We concept. stop allowing visas. Yeah. We restrict air travel. I'm yeah. telling but you, we can do many things. It will never, ever, ever happen because it's considered racist. And it's very similar. Oh, it's a, it's very similar and obviously connected to the illegal immigration uh, debate. As soon as we're no longer allowed to call illegal immigrants illegal immigrants, it's over. It's over. See, it drives me crazy in the presidential race. So many conservatives, we can't have Rubio because he's pro-amnesty. I'm like, um, first of all, he's he's not. Second of all, he would never get away with that with a Republican Congress. Uh, But third of all, most importantly, uh, this issue is gone already. We lost already. All right. Maybe you weren't there that day when we lost, but we lost when we were no longer allowed to call illegal immigrants illegal immigrants, because then from now until eternity, it is racist. And if you are racist, it's the worst thing you can be other than a child molester. And so therefore, anything that is deemed racist is never, ever, ever going to have a, the political momentum to actually get done. Even if it's right, even if it's the greatest idea ever, it's over. That is well, a magic bullet to kill anything. Just call it racist. And so because racial profiling or ethnic profiling, anything anti-supposedly Muslim, it, it's toxic, it's over, it's racist. Perfect example. I mean, I don't know how perfect example. My census is a perfect example. There was a moment of silence before the uh, Green Bay Packer Detroit Lion game today, and um, Aaron Rodgers, the Packers lost their third straight game. Aaron Rodgers in his post game press conference actually made a point of criticizing somebody for during the moment of silence saying something that was prejudicial against Muslims. Now there I, you go. Now wait a minute. I've looked everywhere. I can't find what the person allegedly said. It wasn't in the article. Rodgers didn't say what it was. My gut. I could be wrong. My gut tells me it wasn't really. 
a prejudice statement. It, it was it was probably a factual statement, but yes. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it gets deemed as anti-Muslim, and so therefore it's racist. Therefore, it is inappropriate. It is wrong. And even Aaron Rodgers, after losing a game, is ripping somebody for saying something that was probably quite benign. It may have been inappropriate. Who knows? But the point is, you can't even go in that direction or else you get destroyed. And that's why we will lose. We will lose this battle because we are unwilling to do what it takes to fight this unique, modern type of warfare. They have all the advantages. The only advantage we have is we know their race, ethnicity, religion, and their names. That's that's all we know. That, that that's the only advantage we have here, and their geography. So so, but, but we have we have taken two hands, put them behind our back, and uh, and put handcuffs on them because we're taking our only advantage and eliminating it because it's racist. And that's why we will lose. I hope you will all feel better about yourselves when we have no freedoms in ten to twenty years because we weren't racist. I hope you feel better. I hope it, I hope that feels real good. I hope it really feels good to you out there, especially the liberals out there, who will feel so much better about themselves when we have no freedoms and we have to live in a, a society that's scared of its own shadow, all because we were afraid of being called racists. Fantastic. All right, uh, we'll continue on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. She broadcasts from Alabama where people still care about their guns, Jesus, and especially this time of year, college football. I broadcast from just north of Los Angeles where people barely even care about themselves. Tons to get to between now and the program, a little over two hours from now. In the next hour, we're going to get all over what happened at the college campuses uh, this past week, but I do want to do one more segment, at least uh, tangentially related or maybe directly related to the uh, Paris attacks. Uh, Lee, I want to just make one more point on this um, ethnic profiling issue uh, and why it is that this is the heart of why we will eventually lose this quote unquote war on terrorism, which frankly, I'm not even sure we're even engaged in. The idea that the French are now the leaders in the war on terrorism. I mean, seriously, Leah, in the, uh, you know, when, when George Bush made the uh, famous statement uh, on his bullhorn that the people who brought this, these buildings down will hear all of us soon. If, yeah. I had, if I had told you that in 2015 we would have a president named Barack Hussein Obama and that <laughs> France would be leading the charge against uh, Islamic fascism, what would you have told me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, look. What would you have uh, told me? Seriously. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I, who would have believed it? Nobody. I mean, Nobody uh, would have believed it. All right, but but that's that's number one. But here's the other thing on the ethnic profiling issue. Um, I, I, I'm a I'm a white male German, actually born in Germany, but on a U.S. military base. Obviously, this is a uh, a demographic that has you know taken a lot of lumps in the last sixty seventy years since World War II. Some of which rightfully so. If white male Germans 
were doing anything close to to what uh, Islamic men have been doing in the name of their religion, jihad, and, and in make, you know committing these terrorist acts for decades. You'd be rounded up and put in the barracks. Oh, oh we no, I, I would have no political correctness protection. But guess what? I would have no problem within reason, with no problem with me being suspected inherently. Check me out more if I'm going to an airport or whatever. If that was what was happening, I would have zero issue with it. Zero. I would understand it. And and to your point, you know damn right well, because I'm a white male, the rest of society would have zero issue with it either. There would be none of the same kind of, oh, we can't hurt anybody's feelings here. Um, But, you know, I'm not sure it's the Muslims really that have a problem with it. It's care. Well, care. Well, they've been is... able to weaponize it. They've been able to weaponize exactly. it. Exactly. Um, again, very similar to to what the, what's happening on college campuses with the race issue. Very, very similar. Uh, now, another thing I want to mention is something that happened during the broadcast, the news broadcast of the Paris attacks. And um, in relation to that, Lee, I don't know if you agree with me or not. That's part of why we do the program, so I can find these things out. One of the things I've been a little surprised by, and and frankly, and this is going to sound weird, I don't mean it the way it's going to sound, I've been a little disappointed that there hasn't been more dramatic video of these attacks, at least not that I have seen. Now, there's been some, uh, and the reason why I'm a little disappointed is because, frankly, the reason why 9-11 had a, the huge impact on us all is not just because of the 3,000 lost lives that number is very powerful but it's the video of the planes going into the buildings and the buildings coming down that what's that's what makes the lasting long impact and i'm not sure that influence is long gone so right of course but at least that that lasted for quite a while i'm not sure that this attack is going to have the same kind of of huge lasting impact in this country first of all it wasn't in this country right uh and second of all i don't know that there's that one crystallizing moment or piece of video that everyone's going to go oh my gosh i can't believe it I, i'll never forget where i was when that happened that doesn't exist here and and part of um what happened on the news broadcast that you know they wanted to go live they had to because it was a huge story but they had nothing to talk about i mean they knew very little which doesn't usually stop these bastards uh on the news from talking about whatever they want to we but, gotta go live we gotta go live right. just just talk still right. waiting live right so they so they go live and, and they're just grasping at straws for they're idiots for how many you know at, uh, so Shepard at- Smith was the worst. Oh, he, I, I'm not a fan <laughs> of Shepard Smith. But, okay, anyway, so uh, so in the midst of all of this, mm-hmm. Andrea Mitchell, who is a, a stooge for the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. as I proved in my movie Media Malpractice, how Obama got elected, she thinks she gets a morsel of actual news. <laughs> oh, my gosh, we have a controversy. Now, I want you to listen to her uh, attack, and there's no other word here, but attack Donald Trump for something he supposedly had tweeted in the midst of the reaction to the attacks, and uh, and she gets the vapors here. Um, this is about the worst thing she has ever heard of yeah, uh, based upon uh, what uh, happened with Andrea Mitchell on MSNBC's live coverage of the Paris attacks. I wanted to just make a point that there is, in this era of social media, no time out for politics. While people are grieving, while the dead are being recovered, while France, our oldest and closest ally, is being uh, is under siege, 
Uh, Donald Trump has tweeted, isn't it interesting that the tragedy in Paris took place in one of the toughest gun control countries in the world? And that drew a direct message from Gérard Arrault, the French ambassador to the United States. So a diplomat now getting involved in American politics, he wrote back to Donald Trump on Twitter, this message is repugnant in its lack of any human decency, vulture. Mm. I've never seen a diplomat responding to a presidential candidate, but this is a candidate who went on Twitter in the middle of a national crisis for one of our closest allies. Yeah. Oh, that it's is so just, fake. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> Do, are you aware that how fake it is? No, no, I know that that's fake, but her faux outrage oh, it is, is faux outrage. so obvious. It is faux outrage. It's all, it's beyond hypocritical because, by oh. the way, how often has Barack Obama, immediately in the midst of a, uh, a massacre in this country, gone right after gun control? Oh, uh, yeah. Immediately. They, they have no problem. We don't even know what's going on. Yeah, no, we have no problem with that. That's that's not <laughs> politics, apparently. That's, that's just using a good crisis for a good cause uh, <laughs> when you're a liber- member of the mainstream liberal news media. But what makes this particular episode so, so noteworthy is it not just for its its hypocrisy and as you say the faux outrage Trump didn't even send the tweet Mm-mm. it was from January yeah in in the aftermath of Charlie Hebdo and by the Correct. way by the way it happens to be a fact right all Trump did was tweet out a fact and somehow that and again, let me make clear that can't be pointed out. Right, that, that this yeah, you're not allowed to point it out because it's too damaging to the liberal cause. So exactly. It's, so if if it's too powerful, it must be racist. That's really the def. <laughs> oh, you you have you have made a point that is far too powerful. We have to go right to racism because we have no other defense for this. Um, One of our closest allies. <laughs> and. and but again, to re- make very, very clear, this happened in, he tweeted it in January of this year. About 20 minutes later, Andrew Mitchell very sheepishly and with no drama, no nothing, said, said oh, uh, we just want to make clear, by the way, uh, that Trump's uh, tweet wasn't from today. Um, and then she blamed it on the diplomat for having exactly uh, Instead of, instead, I mean, it wasn't that difficult. You could read the timestamp on the tweet. Uh, yeah. And by the way, it took off all over Facebook, all over Twitter. Uh, what a despicable human being Donald Trump was. Yeah. And how many of those people are even aware that it wasn't even a tweet from that day? Exactly. Uh, very few. By the way, speaking of such things, Rob Lowe is under attack because well, I know, and I'm like, for what? Did you see what he tweeted? It- yeah, he tre- he tweeted Viva la France for, for something about the Syrian refugees, which turned out to be true. No, and then he, but it, the the tweet he's in trouble for, actor Rob Lowe, who used to be a liberal, now he's a conservative. He he, which I guess is his real crime. I mean, that's that's oh, yes. that's, that's, that's his real crime. Crucify him. Viva. Um, you can't be in Hollywood. Viva. <laughs> uh, he actually <laughs> tweeted. I, I I cannot make this up. He tweeted. After the French president closed the borders, he said, now they close the borders, dot, dot, dot. That was his tweet that has him under attack by the Twitter sphere. (laughs) That's racist. It's the truth. It's the truth. Oh, no, again, again, 
it's back to the the same principle with Trump. That you are somebody who is a celebrity who has dared to put out a message that is simple, factual, and powerful. We we must we must destroy that. We have we have no other option. We can't fight you on the facts, so you must be a racist. Speaking of which, it's a perfect segue to hour number two because we've got to talk about what's going on on our college campuses. Oh my! On the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Mm-hmm. 